Morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It is 8.55 a.m. on October the 24th, 2018, and this is episode 21 of Bitcoin And. And we're going to jump right into the vital statistics. So um, I have kind of cleaned up the way that I'm looking at the data instead of going to bitinfocharts.com and seeing this massive data. I'm pulling it into a, an Excel spreadsheet because Excel can do that and then have another sheet that I can is that I've set up to for easy reading that references only the particular parts of the uh, BitInfo Charts website that I actually want to see from uh, how it's where the original spreadsheet is pulling it in. So I'm hoping that this will clean it up a little bit. So let's let's get into this and, and see if it does that. <clears throat> the price of Bitcoin average right now is 6,543 with a high of 6,607 at hit BTC and a low of Gemini's got it at 6,429. Transactions over the last 24 hours is 256,000. Transactions average per hour is 10,669. 1 million Bitcoins have been sent over the last 24 hours uh, with an average sent per hour of 43,500. Average transaction value is 4.07 Bitcoin while the median transaction value is 0.043, which is stable over the last few days, at about $281 United States dollars. Uh, block time is high, 12 minutes and 6 seconds per block, with uh, blo- 117 blocks being mined over the last 24 hours, with an average blo- uh, average per hour block is 5. Uh, okay, Reward per block is uh, 12.5 Bitcoin, with 0.14 BTC as fees. The reward over the last 24 hours has been... A total of 1,463 Bitcoin plus 16.87 BTC in fees. And the hash rate has dropped precipitously by 10% over the last 24 hours. It is down to 49.994 exahashes per second. Um, I'm going to add a couple of new um, a couple of new metrics uh, as we go across the board here. Uh, as usual, the prices, Ethereum is sitting at 205, Bcash is sitting at 449, Litecoin is sitting at 500 or uh, 5327, Ethereum Classic at $9.87, Bitcoin Gold is at $28.16, and Dogecoin is sitting at 0.0039 USD. Uh, there's a, the new metric is active addresses. <clears throat> okay. 
So active addresses over the last 24 hours, I kind of take that to mean addresses that have been used either sent to or received from over the last 24 hours. So in Bitcoin's case, it's 552,000 active addresses. Ethereum is 343 active. Bcash is 38,678. Litecoin is 67,590. Ethereum Classic is 28,000. Bitcoin Gold is 17,000. And Dogecoin with active addresses over the last 24 hours of 50,746. What was Bcash's again? 38,678. You can't even beat Dogecoin with active addresses. Although they can beat it with 24-hour transactions over the last 24 hours, in which case uh, Bcash has 24,000. Litecoin has 24,000. Ethereum Classic has 44,000. Bitcoin Gold has 2,600. Dogecoin has 22,862. So they kind of missed that one, but they're pretty much neck and neck. Um, Let's see here. The blockchain size is another metric I'm going to add. For Bitcoin, it's 220 gigabytes. For Ethereum, as far as this metric can tell, and nobody, I'm not sure anybody really knows how big Ethereum's blockchain is, but this has got pegged it at 667 gigabytes. Uh, Bcash is 164 gigabytes. Litecoin is light, 20 gigabytes. Uh, Ethereum Classic is 103 gigabytes. Bgold, Bitcoin Gold is 166, and Dogecoin is light at 31 gigabytes. I didn't realize it was that light. Uh, another, here's a couple of uh, other metrics I'm going to add: Reddit subscribers, tweets per day, and the GitHub uh, last commit date. So the Reddit subscribers, and I, I don't know how they're gathering this one up. Um, tweets per day, they have a link on uh, BitInfo charts that links to how they're getting it. But Reddit subscribers, I have no idea how they're getting this. But you know, whatever. Uh, Reddit subscribers for Bitcoin is 964,000. Ethereum is 401,000. Bcash is 36,800. Litecoin is 100 and, or 200,000. And Dogecoin is 125,000. Tweets per day on Bitcoin is 30,700 and for Bcash it's 703 Dogecoin has got half that at 327 so the GitHub last commit this is the last metric uh, for Bitcoin was this morning Uh, it's got it at uh, October 24th 2018 the last commit for Bcash was the end of September the last and and let me be clear about this. The last commit yesterday for Bitcoin was yesterday. Ten, they, yesterday was uh, October the 23rd. So they had a commit yesterday. They've had a commit today. Uh, even Ethereum had a commit yesterday. Bcash hasn't had a commit for about a month. <laughs> Litecoin is over a month. Uh, Dogecoin hasn't been hasn't been updated. Its code base hasn't been looked at or committed to since January twenty first, twenty eighteen. That's awesome. So that's it for uh, vital statistics. Let's move on to the morning report.
Okay, morning roundup. We have a tweet from Andrea Tenenau. Distributed ledgers, not tokens, are the true heirs to Satoshi's vision. And she links to a coin desk, and that is an article by Adam Krellenstein. And essentially what's going on is he's... It, the, if you read through it, and I won't, but um, if you, I'll, I'll, I have it linked in my tweet, uh, in my timeline, my curated timeline, which you can always get to in the show notes, and it, it will be there if you're if you're interested. But this is a guy that uh, he was one of the creators of the cryptocurrency Counterparty, and then he was one of the founders of Symbiont. And Counterparty is a public blockchain smart contracts platform, while Symbiont is a fintech company that develops and licenses permissioned blockchain-based smart contract systems. And the gist of this particular article is, and I, I, I think I don't think that they should have named the article the name that they did because it kind of makes it sound like he's arguing for permissioned blockchains to be the end-all, be-all, and that is not what I'm getting out of this particular article. Um, so what I'm getting out of this particular article is that Bitcoin as as money needs the public blockchain, you know, blockchain, a, a non-permissioned, uh, community-driven, consensus-driven blockchain that we all can use and take part of and nobody can censor, which is what we have. But he is making, he is making a case that stuff like um, smart contracts uh, are easier and, well, not easier, but uh, have a better use case on a permissioned blockchain, which I, I do disagree with. Um, it, it, the utility right now, he may actually be correct, but all things end up coming to Bitcoin. Um, you know, either it's we've seen it before, we will see it again. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with the notion that companies are they're going to end up they're going to end up trying this permission blockchain stuff and some of them you know some of them will will it'll work for some and it won't work for others it just it just depends um, but really it doesn't matter who gets the stuff it doesn't matter where it's implemented if it's implemented and you don't want to use it then stay away from the company that has it if at all humanly possible but you know this stuff is going to happen. There's there's nothing that no, no amount of screaming, bitching, moaning, crying, whining is is going to do. So there's that. Next up in the stack is crypto airdrops. This is from Zen Bainham Heard at Z E N B H. Crypto airdrops will supercharge decentralized networks. Here's how. He links to a Medium article. Um, which is written by himself. So, uh, and I won't, <clears throat> I'm not going to read it all. It uh, Again, it's in my curated timeline, so if you want to see it, you can. But his, the argument here is that airdrops are necessary for making a particular network valuable um, by airdropping the token of value or the token of utility 
to a private wallet held by somebody who they want to be able to use the, the network. And he's got a a comparison to Alexander Graham Bell after after he invented the telephone. He himself actually went and helped set up telephone lines and, and networks because he knew that there was value in the network itself. Um, I don't necessarily agree with this airdrop idea, at least... I mean, you know, all of us that have been in the space for long enough who's held private keys to damn near anything, you know, especially Bitcoin, have had things airdropped upon us. Uh, I have yet to actually give crap one about most of them. I've I've forgotten, you know, what exactly I every airdrop that that I've I've gotten because it's just not worth the time. It's just not. And this is what makes me really wonder about this particular guy's, you know, article. Um, And the fact of the matter is that he's he's head of strategy at blockchain. And it is blockchain that is talking about that had released a couple of days ago this this thought about doing airdrops. And I, you know, he wrote this thing yesterday. And, you know, just reading through it. His his conclusion, I will read the conclusion, airdrops can supercharge decentralized networks. Networks have been an undeniably important driver of history and will continue to shape our world. These networks can differ vastly, and it is important to understand the clear distinction between those that are centralized and those that are decentralized. Crypto networks are designed to be decentralized, and airdrops offer an incredibly effective way to supercharge their growth. True decentralization means users have full autonomy and ownership of the crypto asset without any conditional strings attached. An airdrop of crypto assets to a user-controlled wallet where users control their own private keys achieves these goals. Well, and this is this that's the end of his conclusion. If the if the network has no value or the network offers something that somebody's just going to plug into the Bitcoin blockchain at one point or another, because it's decentralized and open sourced and non-proprietary, then I question the value of any token that would be airdropped to anybody <clears throat> at all, which brings it to me a second question. Who are you going to airdrop them to? I mean, how, how are you going to, I mean, the only way that you can airdrop anything is to airdrop something to a wallet that is already active in some, in some other network. So, is the proposal here to open up like I don't know Bob's backyard biochemistry journals public decentralized blockchain and then airdrop to who me and hope that I I use it <clears throat> how do I mean this is just I don't know I'm calling nonsense I I I have to I'm sorry but this is just nonsense this doesn't even make any sense as to the to the protocols that you would use to get anybody that doesn't have like if you're I don't know it's just it's kind of messing messing with my head the way that that this works because it's almost like you're oh we're gonna drop it to people who how I mean how would they even know that they got a wallet you know like some somebody in like somebody in India just walking around and whether they get a like a text message on their phone says hey you now have this wallet and this wallet got airdropped this token please use our network that does x y and z 
because that's what this guy's talking about. And I mean, I, 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 I don't mind standing for correction, but I, I can't, I, I just can't see it as, as any, anything other than just pure nonsense. Next up, <clears throat> Marty Bent at Marty Bent writes, crypto Twitter mafia has a nice ring to it. And he's responding to the great Rubini who says, crypto Twitter mafia is attacking the few voices who speak the truth. And he's, um, he, you know what, Noriel, you, he, he's mad that, 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 um, this guy on Twitter is saying that his Twitter account is being, you know, being hacked. And he's like been one of the people that is, has talked about blockchain. It's, it's not important. It's just crypto Twitter mafia actually does have a nice ring to it. Next up, um, yeah, Eric Connor at E C O N O A R writes, just so everyone is aware, there is a backdoor in the USDC stablecoin launched by Coinbase today, which allows any addresses to be blacklisted and funds frozen. And he's got a he he's got a um um a screen grab of the text in it that says Head this uh, header is blacklisted addresses and forfeited funds. Circle reserves the right to quote unquote blacklist certain USDC addresses and freeze associated USDC temporarily or permanently that it determines in its sole discretion are associated with illegal activity or activity that otherwise violates the terms of the user agreement. Blacklisted addresses in parentheses, in quotes after that. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, in <clears throat> in the event that you send USDC to a blacklisted address or receive USDC from a blacklisted address, Circle may freeze such USDC and take steps to terminate your USDC account. In certain circumstances, Circle may deem it necessary to report suspected illegal activity to applicable law enforcement agencies, and you may forfeit any rights associated with your USDC, including the ability to redeem for U.S. dollars. Circle may also be forced to freeze USDC and or surrender associated U.S. dollars held in segregated accounts in the event it receives a legal order from a valid government authority requiring it to do so. Wow. Man, dude, no. Stay away from USDC. Stay away from Coinbase. Not investment advice. Buy Bitcoin and do it through Cash App. Because this is this is further nonsense. Really. They can, as it deems solely deems necessary. Sole discretion. Right? Sole discretion. It doesn't have to it it, it they don't even they don't even need like some outside authority to tell them. Or, or, or um, oh, uh, advise them as to what should be blacklisted. No, 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 no. No, Circle can just sole discretion, which means they answer to nobody but themselves. They, in this particular case, they wouldn't really even have to prove in a court of law because of the way this language is written, as far as I can read it, because it determines at, in its sole discretion even though you, if I have USDC and they just don't like me one day, they can just freeze my account and say, you're blacklisted. And then I would go to them and say, why? They would say, I don't have to answer. It's our sole discretion. 
anybody, anybody who goes and purchases USDC with anything, including shit fiat, you deserve to have all of your crap taken away. I'm sorry. That's just stupid. Moving on. <clears throat> Josh Garcia uh, at Y-A-S-T-E-R-L-I-S-K-Y tweeted, a course offering for millennials at University of Michigan Law Winter 2019 with Professor James Blackmore. Course 704, Blockchain and the Law. So, yeah, it's one it's one section of it, but it's in the court it's in the course catalog for University of Michigan Law School. Um, they're not going to teach anything about blockchain. They're, it's not teaching you a damn thing about the underlying technology, but it is teaching you how to become a regulator, I suppose. I don't I, I haven't looked at the at the thing, but um, I guarantee you they're not they're not going to teach anything other than just the the very rudimentary fundamentals of what a blockchain is, but not really how it works. If you want to find that crap out, you go talk to Jimmy Song and uh, take his course and you will learn how to do it. Um, moving up on, I'm going to save that for later. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, God. Coinbase. <sighs> okay, this is from who tweeted this out? Oh, this was me. Um, I got it from forexfactory.com. And this particular story is talking about um, that Coinbase wins an order tossing insider trading lawsuit. So Coinbase does. There was a couple of lawsuits filed against Coinbase uh, when the with the Bcash offering, because and it um, and I think they did it. I think they told all of their people that they knew they knew exactly when this when this was going to be listed. They knew exactly how it was going to go down, and they let all their buddies know that they were going to you know that to to hit this thing, you know, get it, buy it up and then, and then sell it at the top. I mean, everybody saw the pump. Everybody knew it was like completely non-organic. Um, and I, Coinbase was able to get out of it probably the same way that Bill Gates, Gates got out of all his crap, just by throwing sheer amount, dumping sheer amounts of cash on it and letting the lawyers just chew up the, the little guy lawyers. But, um, I did confirm it. The, um, Oh, it's some it's here somewhere. Um, it's in my it, it'll be in my um, in my curated uh, Twitter timeline. But I pulled the PDF of the court order uh, that dismissed uh, or made a motion to dismiss the charges in, in the particular case that it was referencing. So it's confirmed. Coinbase is uh, going to walk away scot free from doing their underhanded dealing. Uh, moving on, uh, uh, Johnny Depp. Oh, poor Johnny Depp. Ta-ta-two-coin. Poor Johnny, I tweet. And Bitcoinist has a um, has an article. Johnny Depp sales the blockchain sees. This is written, written by Georgie Georgievich. God, did I, I, I know I butchered that poor gentleman's name. Sorry, Georgie. Um, I'll read just a few of it lines of it. Actor Johnny Depp has signed a development deal with content sharing platform Tata2 and its founder Andrea Ervolino. Ervolino. Andrea Ervolino. Tata2 is using blockchain technology to certify the identity of its users and to guarantee unique views. 
The platform is also rewarding users with its very own cryptocurrency, of course, the TATA2 token, or otherwise listed as TTU. Oh, this is just, you know, I guess Johnny just ran out of money and he needs to be the face of a, of a shit coin. That's all this is. It's just another shit coin. This thing has been done before. We, you know, there's DTube out there. There's a couple of, uh, a, a couple of other platforms out there. This is just another one, but they talked Johnny into signing his name and I hope he doesn't get the living daylight suit out of him and lose what little money he's got left. This is, this is a shame. Celebrities getting diving into this space by just being the face of of another shit coin is repulsive. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, beware the bankers will pump Bitcoin narrative. This is from Jake Chernivsky at J C H E R V I N S K Y. Uh, <clears throat> quote: Wall Street wants to solve what it sees as Bitcoin's problem: scarcity. At Caitlin Long underscore. Quote. Wall Street's really good at coming up with more supply. If your investment thesis is scarcity, understand that demand will be met from at reformed broker. I don't, I, I yeah, there was, I actually did see another tweet yesterday that was very, very interesting. And I'm, I'm guessing that it's like somehow or another linked to, to that quote. Um, somebody somewhere is going to fractional reserve Bitcoin and they're going to get wrecked because you can't print anymore. And if, I mean, who, whoever is going to take part of that system is going to lose their Bitcoin, whether or not, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know who stands to lose more at that point. But keep keep your credit, like if an exchange, it's, it's probably going to be an exchange that says, look, if you put 10 Bitcoin in, we're going we're gonna to pretend like leverage and you're going to actually be able to have, you know, I don't know, like, like uh, this many other coins, or, or worse yet, you put in ten Bitcoin into into an exchange, and they say, "Oh yeah, 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 you can get you know take it out at any time." But what you've done is you've surrendered your keys. So when it comes time to actually withdraw that, uh, and you only get one back, you'll know why Bitcoin is the way it's supposed to be. You hold your private keys because if you don't, it's not your Bitcoin. All right, so moving on, uh, Richard Hart apparently tweeted a Reuters.com article uh, about Japan, and uh, what it's saying is that Japan grants cryptocurrency industry self-regulatory status. So uh, Japan's FSA, or which means Financial Services Agency, on Wednesday. Uh, gave the cryptocurrency in- industry in Japan self-regulatory status. So they handed off, FSA is now hands off a of cryptocurrency. Now they are handing this to uh, something called Japan Virtual Currency Exchange Association, which sounds innocuous enough, and we'll just have to see how this re- you know goes out. But uh, in all honesty, regulators are going to regulate what they can regulate. Always remember that. And if you don't want it regulated, then don't make it look like it's something that can be regulated. That's all I have to say about that. But Japanese, you know, at least Japan is a little bit forward thinking here insofar as they, 
the the government agency, the FSA, just said, you know what, we're just going to let you guys do it. So the eyes eyeball should be on J- uh, Japan Virtual Currency Exchange Association and see if that association changes into something a little bit more governmental, you know, gov- governmentally regulatory in nature. You know, t- time will tell. Moving on. Oh, oh, Bitfinex, yeah. <clears throat> At CryptoBanger tweets out, Bitfinex reports $45 million of volume on a tether market that doesn't exist. So it looks like, um, uh, you know, more, it's, it's the thing around tether and there's, there's a lot of stuff going on with tether and stable coins in, in crypto Twitter. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. It's been like the last couple of days I have seen like a hundred percent increase of tweets and, and stories and, and news articles about stable coins, especially this this thing get, you know being listed on Coinbase, um, arguments breaking out, uh, people talking about that you know, not actually saying the words, but Furtis by says things like how tether people would rather have tether than Bitcoin, which I think is complete BS. But you know, be that as it may. So I don't know, I guess 2018, I used to think it was going to be the year of the Bitcoin fork and for about a month it was, but it looks like it's going to end being the the year of the stable coin. I don't know. I wouldn't touch any of this crap, especially after reading what I just read you about our sole discretion. We will blacklist your ass and your money and take it away from you and we don't have to prove shit. So be careful out there, people. Be, be, I mean, be really careful. The sharks are coming for your Bitcoin is what's, what's happening. If they can get it, they will never, ever, ever, ever get it back. Or, or they will never give it back to you. Be aware. So uh, Matt O'Dell, I'm going to end this off with at M-A-T-T underscore O-D-E-L-L's quote. Laugh out loud. Well, that was quick. Uh, and he's in. <clears throat> he is uh, linking to the um, the article on uh, QZ.com. Indian police in the party for the country's first cryptocurrency ATM. So UnoCoin um, set up the first uh, cryptocurrency ATM in, in India on October or like like last week, right? But yesterday, that very same, uh, very same ATM has been seized by the police. And, you know, in India, they really don't like this stuff. They really don't. Um, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be hard to get public acknowledgement of cryptocurrency usage in India. But, pe- I mean, the, the smart people are already using it in, in India. They're just not letting anybody know about it. Uh, but throwing up an ATM, uh, that was that was bound to die. You're talking about a country that forced people to hand over their 500 rupee notes and thousand rupee notes in order to exchange it for new uh, for new currencies, and they KYC'd their ass on the spot when they did that. They wanted to know who held, who had all these bills. So you got KYC'd, you know, in a, in, in the country for having a 500 rupee note, and you think that they were going to let a, a, a like any kind of cryptocurrency ATM stand for very long. Now the smart money is going to be on people who are doing local Bitcoins, uh, getting money in Bitcoin, uh, working for Bitcoin, selling goods and services for Bitcoin. Um, and then just, you know, that, 
that's going to be about you know the the way that you break a, a the back of a government of something like India that is just wow. Um, I mean, even the United States seems a little bit more accepting from a from a regulatory standpoint than India does. I had no idea that they were you, you know this draconian. I hadn't really thought about it until I heard the story of the five hundred rupee notes a couple of years ago. When uh, that when it just dawned on me just how draconian India. India's financial arm is. So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Bitcoin Optech has released their latest newsletter of October 23rd, 2018. This week's newsletter contains a warning about communicating with Bitcoin nodes using RPC over unencrypted connections, links to two new papers about creating fast multi-party ECDSA keys and signatures that could reduce transaction fees for multi-sig users, and lists of notable merges from popular Bitcoin infrastructure projects. Action items. Close. Open RPC ports on nodes. About 13% of Bitcoin nodes appear to have their RPC ports open on unencrypted public connections, putting users of those nodes at risk. See the full news item below for the additional details about the risk and recommended solutions. News. Over over 1,100 listening nodes have open RPC, uh, RPC ports. It was recently mentioned in the Bitcoin Core Dev IRC chat room that many Bitcoin nodes on the network have their RPC port open. Optech investigated and found that about 1,100 of the 8,400 listening nodes with an IPv4 address did indeed have port 8332 open, 13.2%. This may indicate that many node operators are unaware that RPC communication over the internet is completely insecure by default and exposes your node to multiple attacks that could cost you money even if you've disabled the wallet on your node. RPC communication is not encrypted, so any eavesdropper observing even a single request to your server can steal your authentication credentials and use them to run commands that empty your wallet if you have one trick your node into using a fork of the blockchain with almost no proof-of-work security, overwrite arbitrary files on your file system, or do other damage. Even if you never connect to your node over the internet, having an open RPC port carries a risk that an attacker will guess your login credentials. By default, nodes do not accept connections to RPC from other from any other computers. You have to enable a configuration option to allow RPC connections. <clears throat> to determine whether you've enabled this feature, check your Bitcoin configuration file and startup parameters for the RPC allow IP parameter. If this option is present, you should remove it and restart your node unless you have a good reason to believe all RPC connections to your node are encrypted or are exclusive to a trusted private network. If you want to test your node remotely for an open RPC port, you can run the following nmap command after replacing address with the IP address of your node. Command is nmap hyphen capital P lowercase n space hyphen lowercase p 8332 all uppercase address. If the result 
in the state field is open, you should follow the instructions above to remove the RC, RPC allow IP parameter. If the result is either closed or filtered, your node is safe unless you set a custom RPC port or otherwise have enabled a custom configuration. A PR Bitcoin Core number 14532 has been opened to Bitcoin Core to make it harder for users to configure their node this way and to print additional warnings about enabling such behavior. Bullet point two. Two papers published on fast multi-party ECDSA. In multi-party ECDSA, two or more parties can cooperatively but trustlessly create a single public key that requires the parties also cooperate to create a single valid signature for that pub key. If the parties agree before creating the pub key, they may also make it possible. Wait, hold on. I messed that up. If the parties agree before creating the pub key, they may also make it possible for fewer than all of them to sign, e.g. two of three of them must cooperate to sign. This can be much more efficient than Bitcoin's current multisig, which requires placing K signatures and N pub keys into transactions for K of N security, whereas multi-party ECDSA would always require only the signature and one pub key for any K or N. The techniques underlying multi-party ECDSA may also be used with scriptless scripts as described in newsletter number 16. <coughs> Best of all, these advantages are available immediately to anyone who implements them because the Bitcoin protocol's current support for ECDSA means it also supports pure ECDSA multi-party schemes as well. No changes are required to the consensus rules the P2P protocol address formats or any other shared resource. All you need are two or more wallets that implement multi-party ECDSA key generation and signing. This can make the scheme appealing to existing services that gain from the additional security of Bitcoin multisig, but lose from having to pay additional transaction fees for the extra pub keys and signatures. Oh, this is awesome. It will likely take time for experts to review these papers, evaluate their security properties, and consider implementing them. And some experts are already busy working on implementing a consensus change proposal to enable a Schnorr signature scheme that can simplify generation of multi-party pub keys and signatures and also provide multiple other benefits. Uh, there's two, uh, <clears throat> two links down here. To papers, uh, fast multi-party threshold ECDSA with fast trustless setup and fast secure multi-party ECDSA with practical distributed key generation and applications to cryptocurrency custody. Uh, next in their list is notable merges. Uh, first up is Bitcoin Core number 14291 for use with Bitcoin Core's multi-wallet mode. A new list wallet DIR RPC can list all available wallets in the wallet directory. Uh, Bitcoin Core number 14424 fixes a likely regression in 0 0.17.0 for watch-only wallets that require users to import their public keys for multi-sig multi scripts rather than just importing the script. In order for Bitcoin Core to attempt spending the script using RPCs such as fund a... <laughs> fund raw transaction with the include watching flag. This PR has been tagged for backport to 0.17.1 whenever work on that should start. A workaround for 0.17.0 users is described in Bitcoin Core number 14415. LND numbers 
2062, and 2063. New functions for creating sweep transactions have been added, replacing functions from the UTXO nursery that is dedicated to incubating time-locked outputs. These new functions accept a list of outputs and generate a transaction for them with an appropriate fee that pays back into the same wallet, not a reused address, and signs the transaction. The sweep transactions set in-lock time to the current blockchain height, implementing same anti-fee sniping techniques adopted by other wallets such as Bitcoin Core and Green Address, helping to discourage chain reorgs and allowing LNDs sweep transaction to blend in with those other wallets transactions lnd number 2051 ensures that an attacker who chooses to lock his funds for a very <clears throat> for a very long period of time up to about 10,000 years can't cause your node to lock the same amount of your funds for the same length of time with this patch your node will reject requests from an attacker to lock his funds and your funds for a period of more than 5,000 blocks it's about five weeks. Sea Lightning number 2033 provides a new list forwards RPC that lists forward payments, which are payments made in payment channels passing through your node, including providing information about the amount of fees you earn from being part of, of the forwarding path. Additionally, the Get Stats RPC now returns a new field, M Satoshi's underscore fees underscore collected containing the total amount of fees you've earned uh lib secp 256k1 number 354 allows callers of ecdh functions to use a custom hash function the bitcoin consensus protocol doesn't use ecdh but it is used elsewhere with the same curve parameters as bitcoin in schemes described in bips 47 75 and 151 Lightning bolts four and eight, and variously and variously elsewhere, such as bit, excuse me, bit message, elements project, side chains, using confidential transactions and assets, and some Ethereum smart contracts. Some of these schemes can't use the default hash protection, libsecp two fifty six k one uses. So this merged PR allows passing a pointer to a custom hash function that will be used instead of the default and which permits passing arbitrary data to that function. And that will end Bitcoin Optex newsletter number 18. Smarties Bent for Wednesday, October the 24th, 2018, issue number 346. Put me out of my open finance misery. <laughs> so he's, uh, Marty begins with a tweet from Crypto Ray at Crypto R-A-E. Coinbase says that USDC is an important step towards a more open financial system. Does this look like open finance? And there's a, uh, <laughs> um, there's a, a screenshot that uh, says address underscore pauser address underscore blacklister and this goes back to what I had had originally reported on um, where it's it became it's, it's so now this is basically saying this is like the, this is in the code whereas what I was reporting on is actually the US uh, USDC's um 
where, where they were saying we could just blacklist you at our discretion. You have no way out. You know, we, hey, one day I woke up and decided I didn't like your address. So I blacklisted it, took all your funds, signed Laura. There's no court in the land that can come to me because you signed up for this crap. So don't use USDC. So Vitalik responds to that, <clears throat> to that particular tweet. It says, the fact that such things have to be put out into lines of code visible in the open that anyone can highlight and criticize on Twitter is itself a serious improvement over traditional finance that I think we need to appreciate more. I don't even know what to say. Let's find out what Marty says. I'm sorry to inundate you freaks with yet another stablecoin take during this very trying time that has been ignited by stablecoin madness. However, this morning I feel implored to stand up on the little soapbox that is this here rag you're reading and point out that this statement from Vitalik is completely asinine. We should be okay with Coinbase being able to blacklist customers and arbitrarily freeze their wallets because we can see this as possible in the code. First off, have you ever heard of a prospectus, Vitalik? It's pretty much the same thing as an auditable smart contract in the sense that it tells you everything the third party you decide to lock your money up with can do with said money. The fact that people can see in the code that Coinbase can freeze their accounts or prevent certain transfers is nothing revolutionary. In fact, I bet the traditional way of disclosing this type of power that third parties have is more of a level playing field because anyone who has a grasp of the English language can read prospectuses. Only a small percentage can read plus comprehend the code that makes up a smart contract. So this may actually be, gasp, less open than previously expected. Lastly, the whole concept of open finance has been so bastardized by people who don't possess a rudimentary understanding of what finance is. Everyone is missing the forest for the trees when it comes to this cryptocurrency revolution. Attempting to recreate the system we are running away from and thinking things like freezable stable coins are actually innovative. The concept of open finance, at least to me, revolves around the fact that anyone can download software and begin benefiting from participating in a digital monetary system that has no leaders, no censorship, and very little barriers to entry. A stablecoin issued by a corporation that has the power to cut you off at any moment is the antithesis of this. Final thought. Still banging to Astroworld. Rip. Screw. Okay, I don't know. I have no idea about that. I have to look at what the hell Screw and Astro World is. Um, anyway, um, my two cents on this. I've I have already said it, but I do want to reiterate. Um, I, I agree with Marty. I don't know what Vitalik's doing because it's the, this. They told us. They told us in their in their prospectus what they were going to do. You know, I, I mean, it's written in English that they can blacklist anybody. Let me see if I can go back to that thing. Circle reserves the right to blacklist certain USD addresses. All this does, this whole thing with 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 this thing in the uh, this thing in the code, is confirmed that that's that not only will they do it, they have the ability to do it. That's what this, that's all this says is it completely confirms that what they're telling us is 100% true, that for no reason whatsoever, they can blacklist your ass 
take your money and you will have no recourse. Anybody who buys USDC from Coinbase, you deserve what's going to happen to you. And here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to lose your money. You're just, it's, it's, you're going to lose your money. That's it. So that's it for Marty's Bent. I want to thank Marty Bent. You need to follow Marty Bent at Marty Bent on Twitter. You also need to follow at TFTC21, Tales from the Crypt. That is Marty Bent's podcast, which is one of the very best podcasts I've ever listened to and is one of the ones that inspired me to start doing this podcast and inspires me continuously to get better. Thank you, Marty, for that inspiration, as well as you, Matt O'Dell, who is also on Tales from the Crypt when they do Rabbit Hole Roundup, which is which is really good. Um, Matt's I'm, I'm liking listening to, to what Matt has to say from his own uh, from, with his own voice instead of uh, what he t- tweets out on Twitter. Um, so, again, go subscribe to Marty's Bent. Go listen to Tales from the Crypt and follow both Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent on Twitter. I'm continuing with Bitcoin 101. We are still at Upfolio uh, for Ultimate Bitcoin Guide. This is the third section that uh, comes uh, that is named How Does Bitcoin Work? Now that you know what Bitcoin is and why it exists, let's see how it actually works. Imagine four strangers sitting in a room, each with their own notebook. Because they are strangers, they don't know or trust each other. The four strangers in this example represent Bitcoin's community of users. We are using strangers to explain this because in the real world, most Bitcoin users do not know each other. The notebooks in this example represent what's called the Bitcoin blockchain. The blockchain stores a public record of every single Bitcoin transaction ever made. The blockchain is not on paper, but 100% digital and public. Most importantly, There are thousands and thousands of identical copies of the blockchain held by users around the world. All these copies are kept in sync by the system that runs the blockchain. One stranger gives one Bitcoin to another stranger. Now each of the four strangers records this transaction. Then they compare all their notebooks to make sure they match. Just like in the example, When Bitcoin is sent, the transaction is recorded on every one of the thousands of copies of the Bitcoin blockchain around the world. Each copy is an identical record of all transactions. Just like notebooks were compared in the example, the Bitcoin system is constantly comparing all copies of the blockchain to make sure they all have matching transactions. If all four notebooks match up, everything is fine. The transaction is approved by everybody. If one notebook is different from the other three, we have a problem. It means one stranger is lying about the transaction. We also know which stranger is lying, hint, it's the one with the notebook that doesn't match the others. As a result, the three others ignore the notebook that doesn't match and move on. The transaction is not approved. The same two outcomes can happen with Bitcoin. If all blockchain copies match, everything is fine and the transaction will proceed. If one blockchain copy is different from all others in the Bitcoin network, the network automatically rejects a transaction that doesn't match the rest. 
This is what prevents fraud. It's impossible for scammers to manipulate the system since the blockchain copy wouldn't match what everyone else agrees on. Bitcoin works exactly like a notebook, exactly like the notebook example. Each Bitcoin user has an identical copy of the Bitcoin notebook, which publicly records all transactions. All notebooks get constantly compared to make sure that they match. Additionally, Bitcoin stores all past transactions permanently so that there is a record of where all Bitcoin currently are. This proves who owns which Bitcoin. In short, the Bitcoin blockchain knows where every single Bitcoin is at all times. This is very powerful since it proves ownership without needing a third party like a bank. Traditional currencies don't have a blockchain, so in some cases you can't prove who owns what. This makes fraud and theft easier. For example, imagine somebody steals $20 in cash from you. You can't easily prove who owns it. The technology that stores and constantly compares Bitcoin's notebooks to make sure they are all identical is called the blockchain. Bitcoin's blockchain is the technology that allows strangers to work together to exchange money without trust. This means no middlemen like banks are needed. Instead of recording transactions in private record systems like a bank or credit card company does, Bitcoin users all <coughs> Bitcoin users record all transactions of at the same time in identical copies of the blockchain. As a result, any attempt to fool the system would be noticed as obviously different and rejected by the system. This method of comparing all the identical notebooks is called finding a consensus. In other words, a mutual agreement that the transaction isn't fraud. Bitcoin uses the same strategy to compare all transactions on the blockchain. It can do this very quickly by using powerful computer code. The process of comparing transactions using this computer code is known as Bitcoin's consensus algorithm. Blockchain is the technology that makes Bitcoin so valuable because it removes the need for a costly third party like banks and credit card companies to check transactions. With blockchain, total strangers can now exchange money without any trust and without any third parties being required. That's revolutionary. Remember the tricky double spin problem from before? The blockchain is what Bitcoin uses to prevent this problem from ever happening. Once a Bitcoin changes hands, the transaction becomes an official blockchain entry that's automatically and permanently recorded so the money can't be spent twice. Huge problem solved. So that'll do it for today's uh, installment of Bitcoin 101. It is time for Terrible Joke Corner. And I got a I got a bad one for you today, man. This is this is a this is a good bad joke. My dog used to chase people on a bike. It got so bad I had to take his bike away. Terrible, Terrible joke. And it is time for the daily train wrecked. And this is this is this is pretty good. Um, at Javier Gonzalez says in reply to something I'll get into later. 
The exact day and time of SegWit activation was a miner's decision. While that was happening, the devs were waiting and watching the blockchain with their fingers crossed. So it was, I was a witness. Oh my God. The exact day and time of SegWit activation was a miner's decision. Okay, let's go through this. Uh, this started with at stop and decrypt. If you're not following stop and decrypt, you need to go to Twitter and follow at stop and decrypt. Spelled all one word, just the way you think. Um, he starts, a, he's, he tweets, Bitcoin is an impenetrable fortress of validation. It doesn't matter if you created the transaction block or if someone else sent it to you. If it's not valid, it's not getting in. All nodes enforce validation in tandem. Some people still don't seem to understand this concept. Well, this is where Javier Gonzalez decides that he needs to weigh in with it. <clears throat> His first reply is bullshits with an S. Code obeys hash power. That's how Bitcoin works. Joe Penman replies, huh? Didn't last year's USAF have like 90% minor support? How did that work out? And that's when Javier Gonzalez decides to say that the exact day and time of SegWit activation was a miner's decision. No, it wasn't Javier or Javier. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Infinity, period. I mean, the absolute asinine. How pe I don't get how that escapes that how that escapes somebody segwit was not a miner's decision they had to comply with the users if they didn't comply with the users it was it was bad things were going to happen and they were going to be economically hurt and you know when you start when you start messing around with people's money uh you get their attention and it was going to mess around with the amount of money that they made so th th it was not their decision. They had to comply. It was a, comp they, they made the decision to comply, I suppose, but uh, it was not the exact day and time of SegWit activation was a miner's decision is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard anybody ever say. So Javier, congratulations for getting train wrecked. Well, I am out of here. Um, went long today. There's lots of stuff going on. Um, you're, we're, we're in for a, a wild ride with stable coins, and there's going to be a raft of tether FUD that is ancillary to that. Uh, probably because I, I, you, Tether's going to get attacked, um, like on well, I mean not attacked as a network, although that 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 may happen if it's possible. Uh, but I mean verbally, people are gonna like you know put out fud about it again. I I'm not a tether fan, but I'm not I I don't hate tether either. I I don't really care because I don't trade. 
And because I don't trade, Tether doesn't really affect me. I mean, I guess that's where a lot of the FUD does come from. And I don't know if it's true or not. You know, you got Bitfinex out there basically hollering anybody that will listen how it's all Tether's fault that Bitcoin's prices, how it got to be as high. But he never really explains how it lost all its value because of Tether. Anyway, I, I think the only important thing to note here is that you're going to see over the next few weeks and months um, stablecoin, uh, a stablecoin carnival. And each stablecoin is probably going to attack Tether because they'll be the new Tether and there'll be some kind of tethering or untethering or whatever the hell we want to call it, um, much like the 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 flippening talk that was going on last year and the year before about Ether over Bitcoin. Uh, that didn't happen neither, and it's not going to. But anyway, uh, so uh, careful out there. Don't buy USDC. It's They're just going to steal your money. And most of the stable coins are probably going to have the, that same proviso in it. And that proviso in their uh, prospectus and or end-user license agreement will mirror what's in the code. So not only are they telling you what they're going to do, they're in the code is telling you that they have the ability to do it. Do not buy USDC. Don't go over to stable coins. I don't know what to tell you about Tether, but like I said, this is an investment advice. Just buy Bitcoin and be free of the worries and the stupidity and the grandiose shit show that is the shit coin, altcoin, stablecoin circus. With that, this has been David Bennett, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day out there. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.